this march for the tax march today on Saturday, April 15th, 2017. It's about almost 12 o'clock right now or so. In around an hour, this whole park's going to be full of people who are coming to protest and make sure we get to see his taxes. We haven't even seen two pages of 2005. Like, that was the year he got married to his wife, Melania, and he had to keep his records clean. <laughs> so we want to see that happen. He didn't release his tax returns. He doesn't get to decide whether or not tax returns are important. Everybody should be able to decide for themselves if they care about his tax returns. Every president for the last some up years and candidate has released it. If he wants to deviate from that, he should give the explanation. And the only explanation they're giving is that people don't care. And it's like, that's not true. If, if you have something else you want to suggest as to why, you can suggest it, but you don't get to decide for people what they care about. And I think this issue makes it very clear that that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to tell Americans what to care about. He's trying to tell them what they need to be looking for. And then he's already giving them the answer. And I just think it's important to show resistance to that whole ideology. I think it's really important for presidential candidates to show their taxes because it is it important if they have dealings with other foreign countries or whatever. And I'd also like to see Donald Trump's tax returns for last year and the many years before that to know where his special interests are. These are just a few of the stories of tens of thousands of people who attended tax marches across the country. My name is Ashley Lake and this is the story of April 15th, 2017. Cynthia, I was born here. I'm a New Yorker all my life, and I'm just appalled. <laughs> just appalled at the whole situation. My name is Diane. I'm a teacher from New Jersey. I've never been into politics until the inauguration, and that really jump-started everything. I also came in at the beginning of winter in New York City, which I'm from California. My name's Ray Bazidlo, B-A-Z-Y-D-L-O, from Westport, New York. My name's Rebecca. I'm traveling with my two daughters and my figure skating team. I'm a coach from Sydney and we're attending a competition in, in Michigan, the international skating competition. It's a very small international competition. There's only there's one team from Australia, the rest are French, American and Russian teams. The last one we went to two years ago in Spain, just to give you a bit of indication, there was a Mexican team, there was teams from Spain. Those teams have chosen not to come to this event. Hey, what's up? My name's, my name's Tim. I'm from uh, New York City, New York, born and bred, and I'm here to show support for the President of the United States. I agree with him on many, not on everything. I don't like the way he talks about women, for instance, let me put that out there. But I agree with him on securing our borders, cracking down on illegal immigration, stopping radical Islam, which is a great threat to women's rights and to gay rights and everything else, bringing back our manufacturing jobs. So I'm here to say I support the president, and there are 63 million other Americans who voted for him who feel the same way. We're here today to uh, see Trump's tax forms. We think that will surely tell us what his business ties are to Russia, and if he has any other business ties that are going to show that there's a major conflict with him being president. I know right now he's swaying the stock markets with the way uh, he's conducting himself, the bombings. Uh, Raytheon stock has gone through the ceiling. I'd like to see his holding in Raytheon. And there's a whole host of things that a Schedule C would show. So I think it's very important that we, we actually see the transparency. I'm here because, like everyone else, 
what is Trump hiding when he cannot, he's telling us he can't release his tax return, he's in an audit, but we all know that you can still release your tax return. Why, why isn't he releasing it and why do the Republicans um, allow him to do that? It's all in our best interest as Americans to see where he has his money and who's in his pocket and who he owes. And so this is so important, and I don't know why we have to even much today. My name is Connor, but that's my nickname. Um, my, my name is Danu. I'm from Staten Island, New York, and I am a Trump supporter. And I'm really excited to see the new things that are going to be happening in our new administration. My name is Susan Miller. I'm from Windsor, Connecticut. I'm in my 50s. I'm a mom of two kids, and that really helps drive me right now because I really worry about their the world for them in the future. So um, that's a big part of why I ended up on the streets in protest. Um, I didn't. I never did this before. I was involved a little bit in the Bernie campaign, and that was the first foray actually into participative democracy. So now it's a whole different world. I came from New Hampshire. I'm. I'm worked as a stay-at-home mom. I paint. I. I write. I volunteer for an adaptive ski program in the winter. I do a lot of volunteer work. My husband's a college professor, so we're pretty solidly middle class. And I came down here because my sister lives in Connecticut, and and we're here. And I want to make a difference. I think that it's incredibly important not just to focus on these legislative moves with massive fanfare and the ones that don't have massive fanfare like when Trump signed away Title 10 funding for Planned Parenthood earlier this week. Um, but I think it's also incredibly important to focus in on the kinds of actions that Trump and Pence and Price can take behind the scenes to dismantle the ACA um, and impose more stringent requirements on Medicaid as they're already doing and look at the people uh, whom those will target. Predominantly women, people of color, low-income people, and as Martin Luther King said, injustice in healthcare is, I'll paraphrase, is the most inhumane kind of injustice there is. So far from Trump being the Martin Luther King of healthcare, as was said earlier this week on CNN, he is the exact opposite in wanting to remove this basic human right from people that the ACA has striven and succeeded in large part to provide. It's really important that people come out and support those people who are most vulnerable. I mean, there has been an increase in anti-Semitic acts. There has been an increase of anti-Muslim acts. The attacks on Mexicans, his attacks on women. He's really going after those people who don't have a voice or are afraid to have a voice. So it's very, very important that people come out and support these people so they don't feel alone because once they feel isolated, they can be victimized even more. And that's not America. It shouldn't be America. I would be happy to publicize my taxes. I have nothing to hide. If you have nothing to hide, then why aren't you sharing them? Well, today's version is the tax march. So we're kind of disgusted that Trump hasn't released taxes. And, you know, we really want to know what's in there. I'm sure it shows he has loans from Russia and everything else. So I believe that he's up to his, uh, you know what, in uh, Russian collusion. But that's, again, that's being hidden by forces. 
there's got to be a real big push by the, the grassroots, by the people, to get their representatives to speak up for them on our behalf. The whole Russian thing is huge. Um, the fact that they kind of got their tentacles into our system and I am convinced have affected the outcome of this election in ways that are subtle and maybe not so subtle. And it's really a threat to our democracy. So I think that's absolutely essential that we understand what happened there and how he might be implicated in that. Because I don't think he's a legitimate president in that sense that he probably got elected partly because of help from Russia. As for the collusion with Russia, I feel like Trump has beaten the liberal media that was trying to play on that because they were using that Russia in, uh, collusion to try to get a means of impeaching him. But I do think that Trump's recent activities, the recent actions do contradict that. So the credibility of that assertion is going down. So I'm more confident. I'm a lawyer by trade. I always say, well, where's the evidence? In a, in a court of law, if I were prosecuting Mr. Trump, for collusion, I would be thrown out of court at this point. I would literally be laughed out of court because there's speculation, there's conjecture, there's possibilities, right? There's an ongoing investigation, but there's no proof at this point. So I'm open. If, if more evidence comes out in the future, I'll be happy to look at it. And if, if he did collude with Russia, then hell, impeach him. But right now, there's no evidence. And I think a lot of disgruntled Democrats are just very emotionally angry that they lost the election. So they're kind of like latching onto this Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Thing. Meanwhile, I'm more worried about North Korea and China and other things going on in the world. I think that's where we got to worry about. I'm hoping that the FBI will come out with their findings sooner rather than later. I know they have to be really careful, but I'm also hoping the Senate committee will get back in session quickly. I think if everyone sees what the truth is and what's happened, and then the whole country can agree and maybe Congress will feel more confident in impeaching. I wanted to do whatever I could to let the world know that it's not okay that Trump does whatever he wants, not just his tax returns that he's not showing, but that he has all these ties to businesses, not to mention the Russian ties. There's so much to protest about, so when I saw a chance to protest today about the tax returns, I decided to come. I'm very, very concerned what he may be doing with North Korea. I don't believe in the type of diplomacy he engages in in terms of tweeting. There's no depth to that. There's really no thought to that. I think he's playing more to his base. I mean, it's a sad, sad time when we can watch on Fox News when that big bomb was dropped on um, Afghanistan. They played country music like this is a wonderful thing, whereas it really was cheap theatrics. It was an expensive bomb. Supposedly it killed only 36 people. And we wonder with the cuts that are going to be happening in our budgets and things like that and health care, why waste money on that when people are really hurting here? Um, I agree with Mr. Trump in the Syrian attack. It was partly the reason why I agree with him is because it was very tactical. When we look at the geography of what happened, right, the Syrian airbase, it was apparently ISIS that was responsible for deploying those chemical weapons in Assad's name. And so it, the ISIS was trying to frame Assad for that um, atrocity. And so it was a way to test the U.S. into seeing how we would respond. So getting rid of the chemical weapons was 
a very good idea. It saved lives not only in the Syrian front, but it also on the American front, because we had American forces that were near that air base. So it prevented those weapons from being targeted on us. And it also is a great way to show the world that our leadership has changed, and so our position is going to change. We are not going to surrender to terrorism. We are going to take a firm stance. We're going to show the world that even though we're not the aggressors, we're not here to conquer, we are not here to lose. I think that he's trying to uh, drum up his favorability ratings because we saw the media suddenly calling him presidential when he dropped missiles on Syria. And I think he's definitely trying to distract us from the investigations into his campaign's Russian ties, which seem pretty valid. I think he's cracking down hard on radical Islamic uh, terrorism. He just dropped a 21,000-pound uh, bomb on ISIS in Afghanistan the other day. Largest non-nuclear bomb ever dropped in history of warfare uh, just the other day. One of the sadder pieces of the last week for me was seeing the swing of support for the airstrikes on the Republican side shift wildly and on the Democrat side stay pretty steady. And I just can't figure out what has changed over the last couple of months that would suddenly make them support these strikes when they were against them. I, I really believe in like the military industrial complex and I think that a lot of the people behind the scenes, they want this just to continue so that they can keep making weapons and stuff. And I'm really hoping that he's honest and when he says that he wants to end it because it, it really needs to end. It's just, it's ridiculous. So in that sense, I kind of back what he did in Syria. You know, I kind of changed my stance on that like I used to believe. America should kind of keep to themselves. But as I get older, I realize that like we kind of are responsible for little kids suffering and, you know, women suffering. And My name is George Green, G-R-E-E-N-E. -E. I live in Chappaqua, New York, and I've been against Trump for a long, long time. I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm a personal injury lawyer. I like mandolin music. <laughs> uh, I like to read. I read political philosophy, but more of the classics. And I think we really do need a thoughtful president at this time. And I just want to make this clear. I criticized Obama too when I didn't like what Obama did too. So it's not necessarily when I speak, it's sour grapes. I, I've commented negatively about Obama's foreign policy in the past, written about it in the past, spoken up about it in the past. But this is just the worst. I've never seen the institutions of our government begin to crumble so quickly as a result of this ban being elected. It's not a question of being a Republican or being a Democrat. You really have to stand for the Constitution, because without the Constitution, we can't have Republicans, we can't have Democrats, we can't have Socialists, we can't have Bernie Bros, we can't have any of those people, because our government structures and allows these people to come forward and pitch their views and participate in our type of democracy. Right now, it's becoming a kleptocracy. It's very, very sad. My name is Shahar. I'm 28, so my first presidential election was Obama, and that was the what was going on in my formative years. So this is a particularly hard situation to live under. It feels very hopeless, uh, very selfish. I teach. I teach science, and I think that informs a lot of how I approach these issues. Very critical, trying to look for evidence, trying to put things together to make the most sense of it. So, you know, that's me. Yeah, my name is uh, my name is Brian Dugan. I'm a union carpenter. I live in uh, Hackensack, New Jersey. 
And I, I got to say, I think the one good thing about Trump getting in is everybody seems to be talking about politics now. I mean, when I talk to my family members, we're all talking about it people at work. It's hard to have a conversation and not bring something up that's going on. So in that aspect, it's it's like a really good thing that it happened. And part of me wonders if he's not doing some of this stuff on purpose. Well, we're the Farrells from South Carolina. We have three girls that are 20, 18, and 14. Like, I'm an independent businessman. I pay a lot of taxes, so I understand. So it's just interesting checking it out. And I see why Donald Trump's such a lightning rod. How he, the tweets, and it's not how you want a leader to act, but how are you going to change it? It's done. So you just got to try to weather it and make the best. My name is Neil. I'm 30 years old from Florida. I'm an accountant and I kind of work around what would be considered the 1% of a society. So I see a lot of the imbalance. So that's kind of my perspective, why I feel the way I feel about things. I'm 26. I'm a PhD student studying American Jewish history and I have a very long personal history with healthcare as well. So in addition to it being part of my academic research, it's also very personal to me. So after the Senate uh, voted to begin the process of reconciliation in January, I decided that that was where I wanted to focus my attention after my devastation over Hillary's loss. I started an indivisible group called Caring for Us Indivisible, and we're devoted to educating about and protecting the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid and Medicare, with a special focus as well on women's health and women's rights. My name is David Moria. I am a protest photographer. I am a photojournalist. I started a nonprofit, The Constant Resist, which is a nonprofit for photojournalists who aren't getting paid to take pictures at protests. I'm in talks and working with the organizers from about four different organizations, including MoveOn.org. Uh, NYCLU, the Working Families Party, and Rise and Resist. So all those non other nonprofits who are working on things, they're going to get photos from me because they, they don't, they can't really hire a photographer to do that. I have been suffering from a lot of anxiety because I have no idea what Donald Trump's doing next. I wake up every morning thinking this is just a bad dream, but it's not. I, I'm originally from the UK. I thought Brexit was a massive f up. And then we watched America. I went, oh man, what's happening? Um, it is scary, uh, you know, as a, as a parent. I do fear for, you know, what the next few years will bring uh, for, for all of us. But, you know, more so what, what are my kids going to be, you know, growing up into? We're from Sydney, Australia, and uh, we just kind of watch in horror. We just find it completely bemusing and, and really feel for the people of America that, you know, this is happening in your country. It's interesting. You know, I wanted to come and see what kind of turnout there was for real, you know, like, because uh, our hotel's around the corner, and it's a pretty good little turnout. I think this is what democracy is all about, sure. the ability to protest and express your opinion, yeah, you know, whatever it's it great. is. So it's good. Yeah, I don't agree with everything, but I, yeah. it's great. But we, the beautiful thing is we can express it, and that's a great thing. The difference between protests and rallies. Protest is someone you say, I am against this, this is wrong. A rally says, this is right, and I want to promote this. If you look at the 30s, you had Roosevelt, so you had people against them. They could marginalize these people, and it was a, it was a large movement. I mean, you had Father Coughlin, who preached anti-Semitism out of Michigan. You've had other people of that ill. You had, um, I mean, at Madison Square Garden in the 30s, you had German Bundes. We would call them neo-Nazis. They were Nazis then. You had 
20,000 gather for a giant protest in New York City. These times have returned. It's a sad commentary, but also points to how fragile our democracy is and why it's so important that people gather like this and protest and come together and say enough is enough. We need to set the ship right. America voted right. Um, now they've just got to put it right. That's all for today. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for your generous support in our efforts to continue to start conversations so that you can keep them rolling. If you like what you've been hearing, please head on over to our Patreon page to make your donation. Head on over to patreon.com slash story of. This is the story of.